Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 16 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I am Tyler Uremchuk. Cameron Lewis is here. Alec Manoa is a big leaguer. And God damn it, is he ever a big leader? What do Alex Manoa and Mastercraft have in common? You know you're good when you got him. You know you're good when you got him. Uh, Alec what? Manoa. What? What was with, that? With Mastercraft, you know you you're good. Least, you got to sing the jingle if you're going to do a Mastercraft. Even show. if you're stuck. Also, you've under already so you've already wood. called him. You've already called him Alex Manoa once. No, that was Alec. No, you said Alex with an X. I'm positive. I heard it. We're going to get into that. We're also going to get into that. We're going to get into some name things. Um, I needed to slide in a Mastercraft joke because I love that ad. Uh, you like Alec- it? It's so bad. Oh, God, I hate it. It's always stuck in my head. I know, but now it has rent, like a cult free, following and it's hilarious. Oh, I know. It's brutal. Uh, all right. Alec Manoa. Man, that was essentially a perfect debut. Six oh, scoreless yeah. innings. He gives up two hits. He only gave up hard contact twice in the start, I believe. His final stat line, like I said, six innings pitched, only two hits, only two walks, racks up seven Ks. He was just a beast out there. He That didn't look like a guy making his first major league start to me. No, he looked nowhere near a rookie on that start. I mean, the first at-bat he faced, I think LeMayhew walked on four pitches. It might have been five pitches, and he looked a little jittery. Didn't quite have it. And then, yeah. you know, shortly after in the inning, he's striking out Aaron Judge, making him look stupid. You know, Aaron Judge swings, falls down. He's like, what the fuck? And he does that weird little, um, little, little, you, know, you can't see what I'm doing, but the, the yeah. weird little swing he did with that. And it was like, it was man, awkward. Like, this guy pitching right now, this is the big man. Yeah. You have dubbed him the big man. He's the big man. He's the big man, and he is a large human. And his, that's tough because th- th- there's a lot of there's a lot of guys in the roster you could call a big man. Like Vlad could be the big man, you know. I'm comfortable Rowdy could with, be the big man. I'm comfortable with Manoa being the big man. Uh, his first career strikeout comes against Roofnet Odor, which was also just mwah, beautiful. You love to see it. He was making Judge look silly. To me, it's almost even more impressive that he goes out there against Lemay. He was the first batter and struggled a little bit, and then like the dude is clearly he's got. He's got a bit of a he's got a bit of an ego to him. Like he carries himself on the mound like he's not a rookie. He didn't shy down and he goes up, struggles against LeMahieu, and he's able to just like wipe it from his mind and then just go right after. I mean, Odor's not good, but he went right after a good hitter out after him and judge. I 
there's so many reasons to be impressed with that. He was throwing a lot of strikes after LeMahieu. His command was good. Uh, I saw the numbers on it. After throwing five balls to start, Manoa went on to throw strikes 72% of the time that via Andrew Nichols on Twitter. Just impressive, impressive, impressive. Yeah, he does. He operates with a, a tremendous swagger on the mound, just like yeah. a, not like a cockiness, but a, a genuine confidence. Like, a, I am very good and I'm going to throw pitches in the zone. And you're going to swing and you're not going to hit them. It reminds me a lot. I think also the fact that he wears the number six. It reminds me a lot of Marcus Stroman, but mm-hmm. minus the short man syndrome Napoleonic complex and just the weird vibe that Marcus Stroman has going on. The I don't know what what's up with that guy, but and also it kind of looks like Marcus Stroman dressed up like two Marcus Stromans. Yeah, like one if, if Marcus Stroman's shoulder and then wearing a trench coat. That's if what Marcus Stroman was a unit of measurement, Alec Manoa would be two Marcus Stromans by three Marcus Stromans. If you like measure them out. If Marcus Stroman cloned himself and one clone ate the other clone, <laughs> that's what it would be. But no, he's got he's got that he's got that energy on the mountain. It's great to see. It really, it really is. It's fun watching a pitcher like that because it's so different than I mean, you know, he was struggling against the first batter, LeMayhew, and it kind of takes you back to a few weeks ago when Nate Pearson came up and he was visibly shook and sweaty and rattled and couldn't throw a strike. And it was like, oh geez, like Manoa's getting squeezed here. The ump's not giving him the close calls. Is this going to go sideways? Is this going to be an ugly debut? Nope. He just gathers himself and mows the Yankees down for six innings. And that was a a wildly impressive debut against, I mean, not the Yankees' strongest lineup, but still a major league lineup. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees lineup, you're right. It's not their best. And I talked about that a little bit on the pod. Like they have struggled against righties this year. They're not great against righties. I should say it was a decent matchup for Manoa, but in his debut for him to go out there like that, like I was, I had high expectations for the guy, but he even blew those out of the water. And he's just so much fun to watch pitch as well. Like he gets the slider going. His changeup is just nasty when he gets it too. like, there's so much to like here. And you know, I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse, but that this is a good sign for a team that desperately needed not just another arm, but a hard throwing right handed starting pitcher like that is everything about it just lines up so perfectly. And if he can keep this up and he's not going to throw six scoreless every time there's going to be bumps in the road, but why not? To, Maybe he is. You never know. Yeah. This is 2021 so far. Four outings, six uh, six innings. Uh, oh, I guess he had the one earned run against mm-hmm. uh, the Red Sox AAA team. So never mind. You're right. He might allow a run. Ah. He well. may. But the point being, they might have filled a major, major hole in their roster just by bringing him up. And as you say, calling him up. Call him up. That's what we've Call been talking up. about. And I mean, why did he even waste those three starts in AAA? Why wasn't he up from the very beginning? Could have made a big difference. You never know. No, well, whatever is here now. And I mean, like you said, it's a huge game changer for their setting rotation because, I mean, let's be real here. They have three guys and they're all lefties. And that's not ideal because a good chunk of the teams around the American League they're competing with feature a lot of righty bats. So yeah. you don't want Ryu, Mats, and Ray being your only three competent starters. So now they got a big righty. And they got another big ready down in AAA, and let's hope he figures it out too, because if he does, then all of a sudden you've actually got a starting rotation. 
Yeah, we're going to get into that. I reached out on Twitter, asked for some questions, and we got a few we'll get to after three up, three down. The last thing on Manoa before that, though, it was really cool watching his mom react the way she was in the stands. Like, that was just kind of fun. She's fucking screaming and the emotional roller coaster that that probably was. Uh, That was, like, really cool to see. That's one of those moments you'll kind of always remember as Alec Manoa goes through his Blue Jays career is, like, you know, his debut and everything that went along with it. It was just such a perfect afternoon. Oh, yeah. You could, you know that he's on the mound. And since there's probably like 900 people at Yankee Stadium, he could hear every yeah. single time his mom yelled, which is so funny. I love that. That was a, that was a great thing to watch. All right. Let's get into three up, three down presented by Twig and Berries. Check them out online, twigandberries.ca. When I look at their clothing and they got the hoodies, they got the shirts and all that, it screams like weekend at the cabin. That's the kind of look they go for here. Uh, free shipping on orders, $75 or more in Canada. Bunch of really good stuff. They've also just launched their own brand of underwear. They used to do the collab with Nutsack. Now there's Twig and Berries branded underwear. It looks fantastic. Can't wait to get my hands on a pair. Promo code NATION15 gets you 15% off. We are going to start with the ups because the Jays took two out of three from the Yankees. And although it kind of stings they didn't get the sweep, coming into this weekend, I we both would have been thrilled if you told us at the start they were going to take two out of three, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, given the way things were going, I just didn't want them to get swept. And that didn't happen. Yeah. They came. They were pretty close to sweeping that series in Yankee Stadium, which is always a, you know, I, I don't, I feel like they haven't done that since like 2015, Yeah, I think. I could be wrong, but I remember vividly them going into Yankee Stadium and pulling off a sweep that year, and I don't remember it happening since then. So that would have been a hell of a thing. It's a damn shame they couldn't pull it off. But, I mean, I'm ecstatic with two wins, especially given one of those two wins was an ace start from a rookie starter. Yeah. The first up I wanted to get to was Bo Bichette, who I thought had himself an absolutely fantastic weekend. In the first two games of this series, he goes three for eight with a home run. And even in the finale, he takes uh, he hits one out, gets three RBIs as well. And a couple of beautiful relays is with uh, Lourdes Gurriel to throw runners out at home plate. A very, very solid weekend from Bo Bichette or week from Bo Bichette. It's not. The yeah, <laughs> guys just totally lost today. Um yeah, no, it was. Uh, it really seemed like the Jays were going to pull off the sweep when Bo hit that homer in Game Three and did the celebration. Yeah. He did the Edwin 2016 wild card game walk off, just like arms in the air. That would have been that would have been so sick. But yeah, it's nice having Bo finally kind of pull it together. He hasn't really had one of his hot streaks yet. I mean, when he came up in 2019, he went nuclear just right off the hop last year. Um, I think before he got injured, he had a really good stretch. The Jays have now seen, you know, Randall, Randall Grichuk's been super hot. Vlad's obviously been hot. Marcus Semyon's had some hot streaks. Tay Oscar has as well. We haven't yet seen Bo have his huge nuclear hot streak, and that would be sweet to see. So let's hope this is the start of that. Has the defense been getting better, or am I just not noticing the errors as much? Maybe the pitching has just been so good. It doesn't really... <laughs> rely as much on the defense but no it does seem like they are making some plays right yeah it's been i think i think bo's played a significantly better short than he was playing at the beginning of the year and i mean we were all like oh fuck this guy can't play short and it's like oh well okay like he should probably play short and get better and to be fair he has gotten better as time's gone along the patient approach seems to be the right one. Uh, the second up I have is one Steven Matz, 
who got the first start of the series here, and he looked dang good. Six and two-thirds, scatters six hits, one earned run, and racks up 10 strikeouts as well. He started the year so well, he fell off for a little, but Steven Matz gave them a really, really good outing on uh, on, on, the, on the series opener. Yeah, that was noting that Steve Matz needed to have because... I don't think he's pitched a good game really since April. I'm just looking back at his game starts now. He had a pretty good one against the Phillies, didn't allow a run in five innings, but he, you know, walked three guys. So that's a bit of a dangerous start. You know, his last one out, five earned runs. Other one there, five innings, five earned runs, six earned run against Washington. That's a bad one too. And this is the first good start we've seen from Matt since, since like mid-April, which is nice to see him get back because, you know, things happen with pitchers and they start to spiral. And yeah. it's good to see him kind of pull it together. That's that's probably the best start he had this season, to be totally honest. Six and two thirds, ten strikeouts, no walk. That's a that's a really nice that's a nice line right there. And again, I talked about this with Manoa in the microcosm of that one inning where he walks Lemayhu to start, and he comes back and he pitches really well. And that always impresses me when a pitcher can, you know, like you said, not spiral. Don't let things sort of fall down. And for Matt's in the scheme of a few starts, for him to bounce back this way. It just kind of showed that those good solid starts at the beginning of the year, maybe they weren't some weird anomaly, right? Like this might actually be a guy who has some stuff. The Pete Walker fairy dust is working and all that good stuff. But him bouncing back this way and pitching good against the Yankees gave me hope that there are still plenty more quality Steven Matt starts to come throughout the year. This is true because as we've said, the Jays only have, well, I guess pre-Manoa, the Jays only have three good starters. And one of the ones we consider to be a good starter is Matt. So if he's not a good starter, then they only have two good starters, in which one of them is Robbie Ray. And, you know, that's, uh, that's a little shaky. So they, yeah. need, they need Matt's to be at least pretty good all year. Our third up, uh, we got into Manoa pretty or right off the bat there. So really nothing too crazy there. Was there anything else that stuck out to you from a positive perspective in this series? Uh, honestly, no, that's pretty much it. They got really good hitting pitching. They got timely hitting. Vladdy hit a home that, run. That's always, yeah. that's always fun. 16th of the year for Vladdy Guerrero Jr. As well. Yeah, in the two, out series three, over. two out of three against the Yanks. I mean, what can you say? Lots of positives to be drawn. The big ones, Manoa. I mean, let's be real here. It's hard to, it's really hard to talk about anything else other than that. Like I can't remember a better I guess the only Jays debut I can think of, and I mean, Jesus Christ, this is going to age me a little bit, but um, Sean Markham made his first start for the Jays back in, I think, 2006, I want to say. And he had a no-hitter going. What was this? Oh, man. I I swear Sean Markham came up, and he had a no-hitter going through like six innings. And then uh, it must have been Gibby was the manager, and Gibby pulled him. And it was was kind of shocking because it was like, this guy could have gone, but I... I can't remember I'll try and too. find it. So if you talk about something, then I'll try and find it, but I can't remember when this happened. Uh, some more Manoa stats to round up three up or the three ups from three up, three down. He's the seventh pitcher ever to throw six plus scoreless innings versus the Yankees in their major league baseball debut. Also, like I'm going through the tweets I liked because I went on a run for like 15 minutes where I just I Twitter searched Alec Manoa (laughs) and I was just reading shit and liking it. But uh, the pitching ninja, Rob Friedman, sent out some stuff and it's the overlay of his 96 mile an hour fastball and his 84 mile an hour slider. I'm going to retweet it right now if anyone wants to go find that. I mean, obviously, a lot of people listening to this follow the pitching ninja, but it's overlaid and it's just 
it's nasty, man. Like this guy was getting positive attention from all corners of the baseball world. This wasn't just blue Jays fans, like freaking out and having a good time. Cause he's their big prospect. Like that was legit. All right. I'm also going to correct myself. Okay. It wasn't a Markham start that I was remembering. It was 2007, May the 15th. So two days after my 14th birthday, Jesse Litch threw eight and two thirds, four hits, three walks, one earned run, one strikeout. Guy Hilarious could pitch to debut. Hilarious debut. And I mean, Alec Manoa's debut has got to be, got to be up there for one of the best all time yeah. pages history, but and again, I digress. Very, very random anecdote, but I just, I had to remember who that was because it was sitting there right in my head. And I was like, why do I keep on thinking it's Sean Mark? All right, let's go to the down. Uh, they take two out of the three from the New York Yankees. So it is very hard to be, or it's very hard to find downs, but one might be that Robbie Ray wasn't great in the series finale, four and two thirds, five hits, four earned runs. I uh, gave up a couple of dingers as well. Not a great start from Robbie Ray, but considering the the body of work he's done throughout the season, and you actually talked about this on uh, when you were on the radio in Edmonton today. Uh, like Robbie Ray's been, he's been great. He's exceeded expectations, and one bad start doesn't really change my opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time or the second time all year. So there's a start here against the Phillies where he allowed four runs in five and two thirds. This is the second time all year he's allowed more than three earned runs in a start. Yeah. So his most recent time out against Tampa, seven innings, one earned run. Then there's that aforementioned Philly start there. And then it was three earned, three earned, two earned, three earned, zero earned, two earned. Like you can't complain about that. The only, the only thing you can worry about with Robbie Ray is he's allowing quite a few home runs. And I think it was three more on Thursday night, three more. So the walks are all gone, but that inevitability with consistently throwing in the zone is you're going to allow more hard contact. And now he's allowing more dingers, but nobody's really ever on base. So it's not the end of the world. It's not like he's allowing, yeah. you know, walking three guys and allowing a bomb. So yeah, he's not their bullpen. <laughs> no, exactly. So <laughs> I'm not ready to complain about Robbie Ray at all. So all right. We'll uh, a, I'm mulligan there. Yeah. The other, like they only scored five runs in the last two games there, but it was two seven inning games and they won one of them. So like, even then yeah. you don't really want to bitch about the run production too much. Another down that I want to get to, since we really don't have many to get to within the three games um, it's come to my attention and I knew this, but I've seen a couple of comments on it. Now I keep saying Grechuk and I can, yeah, I his, his name is a mental block for me. I know it's Grechuk. But when I say that, it doesn't make sense. When I say Grichuk, it rolls off my tongue. But Grichuk, I just, I can't bring my brain to like remember to call him Grichuk in like the flow of a normal conversation. I need to like stop and think about it. Yeah, it doesn't sound right. Grichuk sounds, it just sounds right. That sounds like a fucking name. It does. Grichuk. I don't know. It just, it's awkward to say. It's uncomfortable. Anyways, to the people who have sent in, because there's been a few, uh, the comment that I'm saying it wrong. I apologize. I know I'm doing it, but I cannot fix it. I cannot you promise gotta, that I will fix, fix it. Uh, you got to fix Ryu as well. Hunjin say, Ryu? Ray, you I say, say Ryu. You say Ryu. Yeah, I say Ryu. So you got to work on that one too. Ryu. Got to make sure that you get Alec down, not Alex. So That's we're going to... Okay, that comes into this one. Because if I did say it off the beginning of the podcast, and I will go review the tape and find out... I am blaming that solely on the fact that we spent a minute right before hitting record talking about the Alex Alec thing and how that is going to drive Jay's fans nuts for the next decade plus, as long as he is with this team. That's I know it's Alec and I will make sure I don't fuck that up. 
And if I did at the beginning, it's only because we were talking Alex, Alec earlier. Yeah, this is true. I mean, yeah, it's probably because it was, it was, it was deep in your head from us it chatting was. about it. Like the whole, you know, whatever. We'll, and we'll that is going to be there. annoying okay. as fuck to oh, hear yeah, the constant Alex, yeah. Alec thing. Well, you know, it's going to be like a big thing on Twitter too. It's going to be nonstop Alex. It's like with Oilers fans misspelling Connor McDavid's first name. Shocking. Oh, I hate that. C-O-N-N-E-R. Are you fucking serious? Leafs fans, we, we've referenced hockey on back-to-back podcasts, and I said I didn't want to do that, but Leafs fans have it easy with like Matthews and Marner. You should watch, man. And like when I look at the text line at the radio station, it's been six years or whatever. Oilers fans <laughs> cannot spell Dreisaitl. Oh, and like kidding. it, I get D-R-Y-S-A-D-D-L-E. like... Yeah, like it's brutal. Or you'll get like where it's not even fucking close, and it's like D-A-R-E-D-S-D-L-E, and it's like... That's not even like, what are you doing here? Um, but anyways, I digress. Alec, Alex, that is going to just, it's going to drive me nuts. And I shouldn't even be one to talk because I get half the names on this fucking team wrong. But anyways, that's you want to, I got another, um, I've got another random negative here. Another thumbs down okay. that I feel like we should discuss. Unfortunately, is that Nate, Nate Pearson had an outing today in AAA. Mm-hmm. in which he came into the game after three innings from Jacob Waggispack. Three shutout innings from Jacob Waggispack. Nate Pearson came in and allowed four hits, two walks, four earned runs, but seven strikeouts. So what do, we, what do we make of that? So how many innings again? Three innings. Four, hits. four earned runs on four hits and two walks. One of them is a home. One of, the, one of those hits is a home run, but he had seven yeah. strikeouts. How many... And how many walks again? I'm still wrapping my head around this. Two walks. Two walks. Yeah, yeah, two walks. No. Mm. Two walks is encouraging because it means his control. 71 is there. pitches, 40 of which were strikes. 40 out of 71. It's like, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's probably not great. I mean, Alec Manoa is the shiny new toy, right? He's so, a big man. one thing this maybe does the Manoa debut. Does it take a little bit of pressure off of Nate Pearson? I think it makes Nate Pearson look and be like, why is that not me? Why am I not the big man? Well, yeah, like, I, I mean, I, it's kind of a glass half full, half empty thing with that. Like, is Pearson going to look at that and be like, is it like a relief thing? Like, oh, I'm not, I don't need to go up there in a month. Like he can just focus on his process and they're not going to rush him back to the majors or anything yeah. like that. Or is he going to look at that and go, man, I'm getting passed on the fucking depth chart here, which he has yeah, He's been passed, but it's hard to say, to be totally honest with you. Like, I really don't know if I were Nate Pearson, I'd probably look and see another prospect who, you know, who's ranked number five in the system. I'm ranked number one. Yeah. Who's now dump, dump, jump me on the depth chart. And I'm like, Oh geez, like what the fuck? And that probably gives me a little bit of anxiety. It, it shouldn't, but you know, everyone develops differently. Manoa was a three-year college pitcher. Pearson was a one-year college pitcher. They're different guys. It is what it is. Not a big deal. Like Pearson had a significant injury. So there's a difference there. I do think like ultimately the thing with Pearson, and especially this becomes a bit easier now for the Jays now that, well, I mean, we're probably getting a little bit far ahead of ourselves saying Manoa's arrived and he's good and he's stable and he's this, whatever. Let's just pretend he is. Sure it's probably good for the Jays because it means they don't have to force themselves into putting Pearson into a start just because he's an arm on the 40 man roster. It's like, okay, we've got, you know, these four consistent starters. Like we can probably make this work. We don't have to, you know, the the game against Houston really felt as though they were rushing Pearson into a start. It felt, it felt wrong. We were excited to watch it happen, but in hindsight, 
it was it 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 just appeared as though everything was being set up for disaster. And it was a disaster. Yeah. And if Manoa would have gotten rocked today, we probably would have looked back in five, six days and said the exact same thing. (laughs) And if Manoa gets rocked in his next two starts, we're probably going to say the the exact same thing. But we like being positive on this podcast. So we're not going to do We do. We love Uh, saying nice things. I put out a call on Twitter for if there were any questions at all that people wanted to hit us up with. And uh, obviously you can uh, always shoot us a DM if there's something you want us to talk about on the pod. Uh, The first one came from at can knuckle guy see a knuckle guy. I don't know how to properly say that he had a buck Martinez complaint. We talked about this in like episode two or three of the podcast, but he just kind of his his complaint was basically that he's been around for a billion years. Doesn't know the difference between a ground rule double and an automatic double constantly guesses at things happening on screen. We all saw we <laughs> listen. I think, I think every Jays fan, and this was the point I made 10 episodes ago or whatever. Every Jays fan complains about Buck and Pat. And then we get to the playoffs and we lose our beloved Buck, Pat, and Dan combo. And we're like, this is bullshit. We want our guys back. Like, they're still lovable, even if sometimes they drive you nuts. This is a familiarity breeds contempt thing. I mean, let's be real here. Like, do you really listen to that many road broadcasts and think, oh, geez, this broadcast is so much superior. And it's like, come on, like, you're listening to the broadcast also browsing on Twitter. So, you know, any piece of information or anything interesting you need to know about the game, someone's going to talk about regardless, like bucks there for background noise. I mean, straight up, if you don't like it, just like turn the music, turn, turn it off and listen to some music. Like I don't listen to like when I'm watching hockey games, I don't listen to the broadcast ever because like, I can't stand it personally. I think it's pointless. So I just listen to music. I I like listening to Buck and Pat just because I find them endearing. Like I think most of the things they say are, kind of dumb but i just think it's funny because it's like you're watching with a crazy senile uncle i just find it entertaining yeah and that's kind of what it is it's it's entertaining and i also feel like people don't understand how difficult it is to call baseball games where there it's such a long period of time and such little action that like you need to be able to take one sentence and turn it into 20 and like stretch things out and like really go off on every little point you can to like fill but, time. Like I'll, I'll, I'll reasonably hear the argument that Pat Tabler is pretty bad. Yeah. That's pretty bad. But I think but, Buck when he's in a color role is pretty good. I think his anecdotes are fine. Well, there's a reason he gets world series games yeah, too. Like, like Buck is a color guy's great. And Dan is a play by play guy's like one of the best fantastic. in the world. So um, we'll move on to the next one. This one from Curtis Murray. If, if, Ryu, for you, you've now I don't know what's what. <laughs> if Ryu, Ray, and Mats are one to three, and potentially Manoa is four, who would be the ideal final starting pitcher to acquire before the trade deadline for this team to make a run in the postseason? So we'll preface this by saying maybe it's Nate Pearson. I think it's yeah. probably more likely to say one of Pearson or Manoa settles into a bullpen role for a run. And they go out and acquire an arm. So looking around the league, is there anyone that, that catches your attention? Uh, that's a tough one. I, I would love for it to be Nate Pearson. I'd love for him to do exactly what Manoa did. I just don't see it happening. I can see Nate Pearson contributing to this team as a reliever, like you said. Yeah. So that'd be sweet. But if they do out and go out and get another guy, it's got to be a righty. They've got to find a big other power arm righty. I think the one name that seems to get Jay's fans excited is Max Scherzer. But that's difficult because A, his contract's big, so he's expensive. And B, he has 10 five rights. He's been in the majors for 10 years and five years with the Nats, so he can veto any trade. 
So that's a bit of a challenge if he doesn't want to play in Buffalo, Dunedin, wherever the fuck the Jays are playing. Yeah. And he just says no. So that's a challenge, but that's who I would love to see. I would love to see Max Scherzer just give him that, that real good veteran. That'd be sick. Yeah, that I mean, Max Scherzer would be great. Um, Marquez out in Colorado would be really interesting to me as well mm-hmm. if they if they decide to move on from him. But he's going to cost you a lot, and so yep. is Jose Barrios. Like he's a guy mm-hmm. who the Twins are dog shit, and they're probably going to sell off at some point. I'm not sold on them moving him. Like I'm not sure if that would happen, no. but if they do, like he's 27 years old, he's a right hander. Like that's a guy who you're probably pretty interested in if you're the Toronto Blue Jays and maybe you would part with a piece that you wouldn't in a Scherzer deal because you're getting him and he's potentially sticking around for a while. And then you also get a third baseman from Minnesota as well. Can you imagine? Yep. (laughs) The Josh Donaldson uh, revenge tour 2.0. Every time he hits a home run, he just looks up to see if Shapiro is watching. And he's like, you should have signed me in the first place. Fuck you, Julian Merriweather. Can you imagine the Jays make the playoffs and Julian Merriweather is closing games and Josh Donaldson's playing third? <laughs> well, that'd be a, uh, yeah. I'd lose my shit if that happens. I fucking love Josh Donaldson. All right. Um, the next one we had up here, uh, Brady Waugh or Roy, that's probably another last name I'm butchering, just simply said, going to add this to my podcast feed. We appreciate you, Brady. Yes. Uh, oh my God, these last names are going to kill me. Max Antoniuk. I think I got that one pretty well. Which of the struggling Jays do you believe in the most? Jansen, Telez, or Stripling? Others, too, just naming some ideas. Uh, Max says he thinks Stripling can turn it around, but who knows? Uh, which of the struggling Jays do you believe in the most, Mr. Cam Lewis? Oh, geez, that's a good question because it's like, okay, who's struggling? So we have Rowdy struggling, Danny Jansen struggling, Guriel is struggling, Ross Stripling struggling. A lot, a lot of the relievers are struggling. So, I mean, the relievers are what they are. If they're not taxed, then they'll be fine. A lot of them are pretty bad. I mean, yeah. If they don't pitch very often, they'll be okay. Uh, Stripling, I, I, I never really understood why they felt the need to acquire Ross Stripling. I don't, I don't really get it, but I think he's better than what he's <laughs> no, shown. You can mark that on your Blue Jays Nation Radio bingo card where you successfully shit on Ross Stripling once this episode. <laughs> yeah, naturally. Even though his last outing was fun great. seven, like the best <laughs> start of it. It was, was, wasn't a start, but it was like the best outing of any pitcher this year. Fucking seven innings, two, two hits. Yeah, he was. Uh, I, I think there's there's better to be seen from Stripling, even if it is in a different role. Perhaps it's you know pitching two innings as a reliever, three innings, maybe I don't know. Better in that role, mm-hmm. Rowdy. I'm not really sure. The body of work isn't huge. He was good last year, but that was in such a microscopic sample size. And then you know Guriel, I do think is the one who you'll definitely see bounce back. He's such a streaky hitter, hot and cold. Danny Jansen, I think at this point. He is what he is, right? Yeah. He hit pretty good in the minors. I don't think he's going to hit in the majors, but he's a very good defensive catcher. And I think he profiles more as a backup than a starter. He seems like a perfect backup for them. Like, I think they can keep Danny Jansen around for a while and just always have one of, whether it's Mourinho or Alejandro Kirk up with the big club. Like, if one of those guys is your primary catcher, Danny can always be there hanging out like off yeah. days, pair him up with an ace. If you had like, right. Like he for can you. be a personal catcher for someone. Yeah. It works out. Um, last one we got Adam Lascaris. I hope I'm getting his name right too, but I know he's just such a big fan of the show. Uh, <laughs> what year do you think Manoa wins his first Cy Young? 2021. And doesn't, doesn't that sum up the optimism Jays fans easy, are feeling easy. after is. watching the big man in one start? If you, uh, if you don't believe he's going to win the Cy Young this year, you're a coward. 
Yeah. So stop listening to this podcast. Yeah, exactly. That's right. All right. There's our, uh, our, our fun little listener questionnaire segment that, uh, that we got next up for the Jays. Yeah, we should. We should put out the call a few more times. Keep it interesting. Uh, next up for the Jays three in Cleveland, where the Cleveland baseball team, they are 13th in home runs, 28th in average, 23rd in team OPS. That goes down to 26th in team OPS against lefties. They are six and four in their last 10. They're ahead of the blue Jays in the wild card race. They just took three out of four from the Tigers, scoring 15 runs in those four games. Um, But it's a Cleveland team that they don't hit lefties particularly well. They don't hit very well in general. This is a series I'm looking at for the Jays, considering how well they just played against New York. The fact they have Ryu on the bump, Ryu on the bump for the series opener. Oh, I'm going to lose it. They have Ryu on the bump for the series opener. This is a sweep in my opinion. Like I'm eyeing up, like you never, if they get two out of the three, I'll still be very happy, but I'm looking at this series going, I think they can sweep them. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I don't think Cleveland's all that good. I mean, their pitching is really good. So it kind of comes down to, I think Shane Bieber just pitched today, I think. So he probably won't be pitching then in the series against Toronto, which is ideal. Did he pitch today or was it yesterday? Am I imagining everything? I don't really know. Either way, he's not going against the Jays. Yeah, that kind of thing. So he's probably not pitching against the Jays. That's great. Cleveland doesn't hit worth a lick. They have a better record than the Jays, but that's because they play in the AL Central and they get to play these buttfuck teams, Detroit, Kansas City, Minnesota. I mean, there's only one good team in the uh, in the Central and they're doing the best they can to sabotage themselves, and that's the White Sox. They're a soap opera. That's hilarious. Oh, so, that White Sox thing, man. Like, which one? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> well, it's basically been since like the second they hired Tony Larusa. It's been a like you said a soap opera. Yeah. They renamed that one area in their stadium that was named after like a volunteer who passed away, and they rename it in Tony yeah. Larusa's name. The whole thing with Mercedes was just stupid and stupid and stupid and stupid and whatever else is going on there. It's, it's a shit show. It's a disaster. But like, I feel they have a lot of good, young, exciting players and I feel for their fans in a way, but I don't feel for like their ownership and shit. Cause no. you deserve hiring Tony LaRusso. You deserve all the bad shit you're going to get. Cause that was just astronomically stupid. I agree. Um, they're still being punished for what was it? 1908, 1905, the, the black Sox fiasco where they weren't paying their guys enough money and then they threw the series and they all got banned from baseball shoeless Joe and this and that. Yeah. I remember uh, it like it was yesterday. Yeah. It was uh, that was a movie, I think as well. It called like, yeah, there's a movie on eight. Netflix about it. That's um, coincidentally when that happened was the last time the Toronto Maple Leafs won a playoff series. <laughs> Game six. Uh, the, what was the last thing I had? Oh, the fucking heavy bias pirates thing. Oh my God. <laughs> if so that, funny. If someone I play Rex slow pitch with did what that pirates first baseman did, I would Kill bench them. them in Rex slow pitch. I would slash their tires. Like they oh, would, you would just bench them. I would murder them. <laughs> that was ridiculous. That doesn't happen in like peewee little league shit. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Like even at the point where the guy is like a step away from bias and lobs the ball to the catcher, bro, bias can't go anywhere. Oh, I know. Honestly, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. He just refused to step on the bag, slowly waddles back to home. Yeah, if you haven't seen this clip, you got to just go search up. 
what would have your bias over twitter yeah it's everywhere it's honestly just pirates cubs throw that into google first baseman fucks up probably comes up it's honestly one of the funniest highlights i've ever seen in my life and it's like this pittsburgh pirate team has got to be one of the worst in major league baseball history they're so bad so bad what's even the record now they uh, lost today. Yeah, they're 18 and 30. Like it feels like they're worse than that. I feel like it feels like they've only won like six games this year, but apparently I, they're I was looking at MLB.com and they have that little category in their standings, which is record against teams greater than 500. And some of the records in this are hilarious. Like Pittsburgh is 11 and 20. The Arizona Diamondbacks are two and fifteen against teams greater than five hundred. Who was the first baseman who made that error? Craig. Dude. Craig, I'm just I'm looking up and down the roster and I'm like, who are these guys, man? Like their war leader Brian Reynolds. Richard yeah, this Rodriguez? team is just. Who are these guys? I'm now trying to figure out who that. Who first are who are these guys? Uh, Anthony Alford is on this team, but he um, that says a lot. Twenty nine plate appearances, two hits, uh, sixteen True. strikeouts. Uh, it was Will Craig who was the first baseman who is actually their third first baseman on the depth chart. The other two were on the IL. So uh, yeah, that was not a pretty moment for the pirates. Uh, I it, nice that we went around the majors a little there and ripped on a couple of organizations. That was fun. Yeah, that is fun. That's what we need to do more of. Yeah. All right. Uh, Cam, thanks for doing this. Uh, thanks for everyone. Thanks to everyone for tuning in as well. Uh, Jay's heading on to take on Cleveland for three games. I say with a million marbles in my mouth, but we are expecting the sweep. That is what our podcast is getting at here. This is a sweep weekend. And when we talk to you on Sunday, we will be feeling it because the Jays will be on a heater. Yeah, that's what we're here for. We're here for a sweep of the Cleveland baseball team. We're here for a sweep of Shapiro and Atkins old boys. Yes. That's what we're here for. And if anything less, we'll be disappointed. And we'll this melt is, down. We'll melt down. This has been episode 16 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe, leave us five stars, leave us a review, all that good stuff. We will talk to you once again on Sunday. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.